Good morning and happy Friday to you. It is July 29th and it's 7 a.m. So you're listening to Roadmap to Heaven here on Covenant Network. I'm Adam Wright. Happy to be with you for this Roadmap Roundup Friday. Also our final Friday of the month of July. We are more than halfway through the year. Which technically has been true all month, but it just kind of is, you know, it's really hitting home this moment. Uh, Gabe Jones is with me this morning, and we are going to pray our morning offering. And then one last time with you this month, we're going to pray the litany of the most precious blood, as this has been a month devoted to the precious blood. We pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart in union with the holy sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world, in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy on us. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Jesus, hear us. Jesus, graciously hear us. God, the Father of heaven, have mercy on us. God, the Son, Redeemer of the world, have mercy on us. God, the Holy Spirit, have mercy on us. Holy Trinity, one God, have mercy on us. Blood of Christ, only begotten Son of the Eternal Father, save us. Blood of Christ, incarnate Word of God, save us. Blood of Christ of the New and Eternal Testament, save us. Blood of Christ falling upon the earth in the agony, save us. Blood of Christ shed profusely in the scourging, Save us. Blood of Christ flowing forth in the crowning with thorns. Save us. Blood of Christ poured out on the cross. Save us. Blood of Christ, price of our salvation. Save us. Blood of Christ, without which there is no forgiveness. Save us. Blood of Christ, Eucharistic drink and refreshment of souls. Save us. Blood of Christ, stream of mercy. Save us. Blood of Christ, victor over demons. Save us. Blood of Christ, courage of martyrs. Save us. Blood of Christ, strength of confessors. Save us. Blood of Christ, bringing forth virgins. Save us. Blood of Christ, help of those in peril. Save us. Blood of Christ, relief of the burdened. Save us. Blood of Christ, solace in sorrow. Save us. Blood of Christ, hope of the penitent. Save us. Blood of Christ, consolation of the dying. Save us. Blood of Christ, peace and tenderness of hearts. Save us. Blood of Christ, pledge of an eternal life. Save us. Blood of Christ, freeing souls from purgatory. Save us. Blood of Christ, most worthy of all glory and honor. Save us. Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Spare us, O Lord. Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Graciously hear us, O Lord. Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us, O Lord. You have redeemed us, O Lord, in your blood. And made us for our God a kingdom. Let us pray. Almighty and eternal God, you have appointed your only begotten Son, the Redeemer of the world, and willed to be appeased by his blood. Grant, we beg of you, that we may worthily adore this price of our salvation, and through its power be safeguarded from the evils of the present life, so that we may rejoice in its fruits forever in heaven, through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, it's good to be with you on this Friday morning. And uh, Gabe Jones, lest I put words in your mouth, I, I have a feeling you are happy to be with our listeners today, too. Always happy to be with you, Adam, and the listeners on Covenant Network. It's a wonderful, wonderful opportunity. Yeah. And Friday morning's off to a sunny start. You know, I was reading, um, It was, I think it was Chris Higgins, who's one of the meteorologists in town on his social media, was posting that between, I don't even know if it was Tuesday's rain that we got here. I think it was just what we got yesterday um the 
sheer amount of water was just incredibly crazy. In the Deer Creek watershed, which is somewhat near my house, okay. um, 10 to almost 14 inches for the three waves of rain. So this is the three waves we've gotten mm-hmm. over the week. And he says, using some very rough back-of-the-napkin type of math, I am estimating that something around 67 trillion pounds of water fell over just the Deer Creek watershed he used since pounds, Monday. not gallons? Pounds. That's interesting. And uh, he went on to say, no amount of plumbing drainage sewer system is going to prevent what happened today when you consider how fast the rain fell mm-hmm. and that the majority of the ground in the area is covered with some sort of road building or parking lot. Uh, to those impacted, please know our prayers are with you. To the first responders, you again proved your heroes. I echo what uh, Chris Higgins says to those who are affected by this. We are praying for you. Um, and for those who have responded, especially our, our firefighters and our police who have just mm-hmm. been out there with boats nonstop rescuing people, um, we salute you. you. You are doing a fantastic job. So, uh, you know, it's it's one of those things. It's sunny today. We have a lot we're going to get to on the Roundup today. Uh, Mike Roberts has taken a few days off, and so he, we do have the saint of the day from him, this is a beautiful thing about the saints being fixed to a calendar. Is we have we the plan ahead. Day. Yeah, we can't can, plan ahead for weather all the no, time. No, you can't. But. You can you can plan ahead knowing who the saint is today. You can't plan ahead knowing what the weather's going to be today. You can. Have, I mean, you can, but the closer you get, the more accurate. Right. It gets. right. So I don't. I don't predict the weather. I don't forecast the weather. I just read you the weather. And so here I go. I'm going to read you the weather, and then we'll go to the saint of the day. We'll take a break, and uh, we'll come back and jump into the roundup. In Peoria, Illinois, as uh, we started the show, it was in the low to mid-60s. It was about 62 when I was pulling all this together. The predicted high today is 83 degrees, partly cloudy throughout the high, uh, throughout the day. Springfield, Illinois, is in the low to mid-60s as the show started with a predicted high of 81, partly cloudy throughout the day. Cape Girardeau, Missouri, uh, starting out a little warmer in the low 70s with a predicted high of 84 this morning. Um, a very slight chance of rain this afternoon. I'm sorry, the high today is predicted at 84. Slight chance of rain this morning with clouds all day. The sun may peak out there in Cape Girardeau this afternoon. In Jefferson City, Missouri, it's currently in the upper 60s. The forecasted high is 84. Mostly sunny this morning with clouds in the afternoon and evening. And in St. Louis, as I pulled this together just a few minutes ago, it was 67 degrees. And the high, the forecasted high is 83 degrees. Mostly cloudy throughout the day and into the evening. And you know what? It doesn't say rain. And it doesn't say 100 degrees. I was, you know, going to comment that this morning waking up with the temperature below 70 was a welcome relief and a welcome surprise. I know. It, was, it wasn't quite brisk. I, I almost kind of felt like a Floridian because we used to travel to Florida in February and it'd be 50 degrees and they'd be wearing winter coats. And mm-hmm. we'd be like, this is beautiful. It's so warm here. And they're like, it's frigid here. And I almost felt like that today. Yeah comparatively so that's the weather um we're going to take a break so let's get you the saint of the day and then we'll come back and jump into today's roundup you're listening to roadmap to heaven stay tuned today is the memorial of saints martha mary and lazarus most of the lives of the saints who knew jesus are largely undiscovered and what we know is often remembered to make a point but in chapter 11 of the gospel of john it's very clear how jesus felt about these three siblings as john tells us Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. 
In Luke, we hear of Martha's invitation to Jesus to dine with him, and when he does, Mary sits with him while Martha is busy serving. Then, when Martha asks for help, Jesus tells her Mary has made the right decision to spend time with Jesus, suggesting we all must be aware that busyness can sometimes take away from our faith journey. But this story sometimes overshadows Martha's incredible faith and that it was to her house, which she shared with Mary and Lazarus, that Jesus so often would go when he was in Judea. Jesus was very comfortable in the house of Martha. When Jesus returns to her house after the death of Lazarus, Martha goes out to meet him, and before he enters, she says, even now, Whatever you ask of God, he will give you. Jesus says to Martha, your brother will rise. To which Martha responds, I know he will rise in the resurrection on the last day. But Jesus tells her, I am the resurrection and the light. Whoever believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She says to him, yes, Lord. I have come to believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, the one who is coming into the world. Quite likely the reason Martha was so busy making sure everything in her house was in order was because she was acutely aware of who it was she was serving. Clearly, so was Mary. She had once washed Jesus' feet with her hair. And as for Lazarus, Jesus wept for him, brought him back to life, and a few days later died for him and all of the rest of us. Saints Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. Saint of the Day can arrive each morning by subscribing on your favorite podcast player. Search Covenant Network to see all our podcasts. We are back. And Gabe, before we jump into our roundup topics today, I was thinking about this um, right before we went on the air and a little bit during the break. And listeners, maybe you feel this way too. Do you ever feel like you know that you need to be praying for something and you just don't have the words to express it. Have you ever been there? Every day. Every day. Not every day, but a lot, yes. Yeah. And one of the beautiful things about our faith is that we believe that when we pray, the Holy Spirit takes our intention and uh, perfects it, you know? Mm -hmm. It's like when I go to my mom and I say, I'm hungry. This as a kid, I don't do this anymore. Now I just go to my wife and say I'm hungry. Um, <laughs> she says, "Well, <laughs> make, you make yourself me a sandwich." Um, it, I, I I would go to my mom as a kid, say I'm hungry. Can I have a brownie? And she's like, "No, it's time for dinner. Uh, you know that you need to eat, but you're not eating a brownie for dinner. Mm-hmm. You're eating a balanced meal for a dinner." She she would give me what I need, and I was thinking about that. How often my prayer, I am sometimes at a loss of what to ask for, and just to say, Lord, I know I need something. Um, you know what I need. Could you just give me what I need? Because I don't know what it is in this moment. And I was thinking about this. When we ask people to pray for us, sometimes they say, well, what can I pray for you? You know, what 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 intention can I take in prayer for you? And uh, sometimes I'm just like, I don't know. Or people say that to me, like, please pray for me. Well, for what? Well, just pray for me. And I Okay, but I don't know what the intention is, right? So, But we trust that God knows what the intention is and that God perfects the intention. I say all of this because uh, someone asked me the other day, well, what if I don't want to pray for your intention? What if I don't agree <laughs> with your intention? And I was like, well, how about we just pray God's will be done? You know, that that's probably but, the better intention. Sounds like a prayer that we yeah. say 
on a regular basis. Thy will be done? Yeah. Thy kingdom come, maybe, yeah. too. Yeah, on yeah. earth and in heaven. Yeah. Oh, yeah. we should. Hmm. I wonder if that's been written down. I, we should we should write All it right. down. Yeah. Well, no, I just say that because sometimes, you know, I know we have difficulty. We we have disagreements with people, and we know we should pray for them. And in the morning offering, we pray for the intentions of all my relatives and friends and for the intentions of the Holy Father. And sometimes I'll be honest with you. My relatives and friends, I'm like, I don't know that I want to pray for their <laughs> intentions. But you know what? I think that it, deep down, all of us have a sincere desire to know the Lord. And I'm going to choose to trust that with all of our imperfect intentions, yours, mine, my relatives, my friends, and, and you know, maybe even the Holy Father's, you know, because he's human too, right? That God's going to perfect all of our intentions mm-hmm. and that the Holy Spirit's going to do that with our prayer. And that at its core, what we're really asking for is give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. That at, at the core of all of our intentions, we can find that. So uh, I'm going to take comfort in that. And I will actually pray for your intentions today, Gabe Jones. Oh, good. Good. Yeah, I know you were worried about that. I think my problem is sometimes I don't even know what intentions I need to pray for, like for myself. Like, <laughs> I know I need to pray, but it's a lot of work to come up with intentions sometimes. Well, in that moment, I would go back to what I default to all the time. Pray your rosary because yeah. the, the Blessed Mother, she knows what to pray for for you, even if you don't know what to pray for right. for you. She knows what to go to her son. You know, I mean, I, I think back to the, the wedding feast of Cana. They have no wine. You know, what is it with me and you, friends, that, that when, when we're praying the rosary, that Mary's going to Jesus and saying, he has no common sense. You know? <laughs> <laughs> is, is that what she's saying about Adam, right? It would be true a lot of the time. So. He, he has no discernment. He, he has no judgment. <laughs> he has no, no prudence. Oh, my. <laughs> All right. Well, this week, Gabe, uh, we were talking with our listeners about uh, a lot of different topics. But yesterday, we focused on natural family planning. And, uh, you know, obviously lately in our discourse, we've been talking a lot about the dignity of human life. It's come to the forefront of our discussion. And, you know, I know you have, uh, by today's standards, a large family. And maybe you listening right now, you have five or six or seven or eight, nine, ten kids, you know. Um, And people are like, wow, that's a big family. You've got your hands full. And I always get a little irritated by that, if I'm being perfectly honest. Um, but then I realized to an extent, yeah, I do actually have my hands full. Now my default is to say, oh, they're full, full of love. But at home the other day, I was like, they're full of Lord, Anger. give me the patience, yes. <laughs> you know, help me let go of what my hands are full of because yes. I just want to throw it all over the house right now. Um, there's been a lot of trust in that. What have been some of the biggest fears that you faced when you went from no kids to a transit van. Well, you don't have a transit van, but no, you could. No, we got an expedition. Yeah. Which seats eight people, and that's, you know, yeah. it's our family. Yeah. So as you've gone from no kids to a lot of kids, yeah. what have, what were some of the big fears you faced? Well, there's, on a surf, superficial, temporal level, just the fear of the medical situation, that, that a pregnancy, you know, that's a big health change for my wife, right, for her to go through, to have to have this baby inside of her growing and developing. Uh, so there's health concerns, right? And you just, that's, that's a, in the back of your mind, you're always just thinking, you know, I hope everything's going well, right? And I hope the delivery goes well. Uh, you know, is my insurance up to date? Is that going to cover everything? You know, is there going to be, you know, there can be extra charges, right? There's financial questions of, am I going to be able to pay for this? Well, how much, boy, how much do diapers cost these days? You know, and, um, and so there's those things. But then beyond that, it's, you know, okay, now I have to, you know, exude 
love towards this child once it's born. Even when in the middle of the night, he wakes up screaming bloody murder for no apparent reason. And then when I walk in, he screams even louder. Not you, the other one. <laughs> yeah. So not that, not that I'm speaking from like recent experience or anything, but it's those moments, boy, when it is so hard. Those are concerns, right? Of, well, am I being a father? Am I, am I leading, am I raising this child well? Um, those are concerns that no matter how many kids you have, because each child's different, you're always going to kind of wonder, I think, and doubt and say, it, you know, yeah, I did this with this child and that seemed to work. And boy, you know, this one's growing up a little bit and, and, and you know, I'm relatively pleased with the way they've turned out, but boy, this other one, the one-year-old, I'm not, am I doing this right? Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing how even five kids in with the fifth one, we're like, are we, are, do, are, do we know what we're doing? <laughs> you know, why isn't this working with you? Um, <laughs> So then the next question is this. I know that to help prepare for that, one of the things you did with pretty much all of your children was for 30 days prior to the anticipated due date, you would go to daily mass and not just pray for your wife and pray for them, but you had some pretty specific intentions Mm -hmm. that you were praying for. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, so, you know, praying for that child that, that they would grow up and become Catholic and live a good Catholic life and follow God's call and their God's will in their life and all their vocation. Um, but there was one specific time um, I, I remember, and you know, I'm sure there's other specifics I forget, but I remember going to the Shrine of St. Joseph and seeing in the corner they have a skull and crossbones. Um, and you wonder, well, why? Why That's not a pirate thing, right? No, it's, it's, it's memento mori, to remember death. And I remember being there for this little, little novena that I did before my child was born and, and thinking, I need to pray for my child's death that they will die a happy death, die a Christian death, because more than likely I'm not going to be around for that. And that is their gateway into eternal life. That is the moment, the crux of all this, right, that are passing into the next life. And I really need to pray for my kids that they will, in that moment, you know, be in a point where they will make the right decision and, and be able to get to heaven, right? So, so now you're knee-deep in parenting. I, I always forget, five or six I have five. Five. Yeah. That's right. We're tied. We're tied. Yes. All right. Um, <laughs> what are some of the blessings you've experienced, though? I mean, obviously the fear going into it and then the, the prayer, but now you're seeing the fruit of it. What What is some of that fruit you, you and Sarah have seen so far? Well, you know, there's the kind of the little things, if you will, right, where when you come home from work and, you know, the baby looks at you and waves and kind of says, hi, Dad. You know, that's just that's something that, that just melts you. Right. No matter what kind of day you're having, to know that somebody cares that much for you to come home and that they, they love seeing you, that's, it's awesome. Right? So that's just the one little thing. Um, but then also, I, I think as you're raising this brood <laughs> right, of, of people and, and, it's, and it's chaotic and it's crazy, but when you see them share the love of Christ with each other and do something nice for another one, which doesn't happen often. Let's, let's be real. <laughs> they're, they're often at each other's throats. But when they do something very sweet for each other or they play nicely together or they share something, uh, you know, or there's, there's moments where you see one maybe you know, fold their hands in prayer for the first time or the, you know, the baby is trying to you know, do the sign of the cross at the meal prayer or whatever. Those little things that come along and you go, wow, this is really cool. You know, and it and it's just 
there's something about that that you can't replace with a dog or, you know, nieces and nephews. Like having your own kids and being able to watch that development and that growth spiritually and as a person and in virtue, it's it's awesome. Like yeah. you just can't replace it. And I don't I don't appreciate that enough sometimes, right? I just kind of get along with my day and I get busy and, you know, I get mad about the, you know, what we were talking about. There's so many frustrations with raising a family and sometimes appreciating those those moments of awesomeness. Uh, we really need to do more of that. All right. So here's how I want to wrap this segment up. Uh, one of the things we talked about yesterday when we were talking about natural family planning is that, you know, Again, what is natural family planning? It's a natural method using signs from the woman's body that if there is a grave reason to say that this is not a prudent time to have a child. You know, again, it could be a health reason. It could be a financial reason. I'm not going to get into it because it's so deeply case by case. You know, Mm -hmm. my situation is not your situation. Um, But, I mean, it's – it's not something lightly like, oh, well, you know, we want to go, we want to go fishing next week, so that'd be a bad time to have a baby. You know, mm-hmm. it's not that. Yeah. Um, and that's a lot of discernment. That I remember when Beth and I got married, there was that question like, are we are we ready for this? And if we're not, what are we doing? Um, what would you say to someone who might be listening right now, who is just, you know, I want to get married, I want to follow the church's teachings, and I want to be open to all the children God wants us to have but I'm really scared of it and I'm really nervous about it. Well, one, I mean, you're right to be scared. You're right to be nervous. You know, endeavoring into this world of parenthood, adulthood, marriage, these things, there's a lot going on there, right? It's not easy. And you're bringing a new person into the world, right? When when your wife is expecting and you're having a baby, that's a new person, right? Um. So it is a lot of there's there's a there's a a weightiness to that decision. But again, with God, all things are possible, and God wants what's best for us, and He wants us to join with Him in this act of creation that He has you know built right the world. And so, if you're entering into marriage and you want to follow God's plan. You just have to trust. There's a radical element of trust. We had, uh, so my wife and I, when we first found out we were pregnant with our first child, I didn't have a job. <laughs> like, I, I, we had gotten married. I'd had a job right before that. For a variety of reasons, that job ended. And I was in the process of finding another one. And I found one like a month later after we got married. But we found out we were pregnant very early, right after, you know, a few weeks after our, our wedding. And I didn't have a job. That's scary, right? But again, it's that radical trust that this will work out, right? God has not allowed us to get to this point without some you know, guidance or he's not going to abandon us. And so whether you're in that situation or maybe you just run out of, you know, hey, we have to get a new car if we have another baby, right? That's a big decision. But you know what? We have the intellect to be able to plan for these things. And that's, I think, what NFP is really good at is, you know, the timing and spacing of children, right? It kind of assumes you're going to have kids. It's just how are we going to time them and space them? You may not be able to afford a car today, but can you afford one in six months or a year? Okay, let's plan for that, right? And then that's where NFP can come in. So use your intellect and your will to align it to God's and then be able to follow his plan, right? 
obviously Amen. through prayer. So, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna close this out with this, and then we're gonna we actually have some. Uh, outside content for us today on this Roadmap Roundup Friday, because I'm rounding things up from everywhere, Gabe. And, uh, you know... <laughs> got your lasso in hand, we, right? we started this out by me saying, you know, how often I, I go to the grocery store, or I take the kids to uh, go buy something for their mother, whether it's at the department store or whatnot for Mother's Day, and they look at me and five kids and say, oh, you have your hands full. And, and I always hate it because I feel judged by mm. it. And it's like, who are you to tell me how many kids my wife and I should have. We're trying to follow God's will, and f- quite frankly, I'm more concerned about what he thinks about how many right. children we have than what you think, because I want to follow God's will, and I firmly believe that if generations before us could have five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, et cetera, kids, um, that we're, we're capable of, of getting through this. Um, it's a different day and age now, yes, but it was a different day and age for my parents than it was for their parents, mm-hmm. and it's back and forth. The other thing, though, that I, that I uh, you know, I joked around the other week, like, oh, you know, you're at a good Catholic event when you see a couple transit mm-hmm. vans in the parking <laughs> lot, right? It's like we sometimes I think we expect that all Catholic married couples, you know, if, if you don't have a large family, are you are you not doing God's will? And um, kind of put my foot in my mouth a few years ago when we found out some friends of ours were struggling. Uh, very heartbreaking situation with infertility. Mm. And I mean, they were trying and trying and trying and trying and trying and trying and trying to conceive, and they had several miscarriages. And I mean, it it got to the point that even with the best doctors, um, within the moral means acceptable to the church, it it was pretty clear, like, you're probably not going to be able to have kids, you know. And foot and mouth how guilty i felt judging them and i i often just bring that to mind this week that we should pray for those who struggle with infertility and it's not our place to sit whether it's in the church parking lot or in the pew or at the restaurant or the gathering to say all right gabe's got five adam's got five how come uh they, they've got zero over there they've yeah, been they've been married a while not That's, a measurement of your faith and your, your belief, yeah. not, so, not by any means. All right. As we've been talking about um, NFP this week, and I remember last year this week we talked about, we went even deeper into it. We were talking about some of the bioethical questions for those who struggle with infertility and, and questions about surrogacy and IVF and why those are not acceptable means. And the, the do- Congregation of the Doctrine of the Faith um, released a document. When was this here? Um, I'm sorry, I don't have the date for you. I should have done my homework a little bit better. But it was under uh, Cardinal Ladaria, so it, it's somewhat recent. And it was titled Dignitas Personae, the, the Dignity of a Person. And this is going to sound like a stretch, maybe. But I was thinking about that homily that we just heard from the Franciscan friars, that you know, if we just say that, sell, that uh, souls don't go to hell, that hell is empty, that God just he's not, he loves us so much he's not going to let a soul go to hell, and that question of then, it doesn't matter what we do then, right? I mean, logically, it would follow if, if, if souls don't go to hell, that hell exists, but we, God's not going to let us go there, no matter what we do, then it doesn't really matter what we do, and it's quite the opposite. It does matter what we do, and the dignity in that. I, you know, I, I was reflecting upon this a lot yesterday. I was getting ready to leave work, and the deluge started. 
Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I think I'm going to stick around a little bit longer here. <laughs> and so I was reflecting on this. And it, I mean, it really just struck me that God loves us so much that he gives us the freedom to choose to love him. He doesn't force us to love him. He gives us the freedom to choose to accept him or to reject him. And uh, can you imagine, Gabe, if, if our wives didn't have that freedom with us? It's like, you have to love us. I mean, you know, like snap of the fingers, um, you, you, have to, you have to love mm-hmm. me. You have no choice in it. Well, that'd be weird and creepy and wrong. Yes, um, would not feel right. Right. It would just be, yeah. Mm. Then, what, then what, what's that love worth if it's forced? And so God doesn't force us My to kids, love however. Yes, children, if you're listening. You have to love your parents. Um, you know, but just the dignity of that and how much God loves us and how much he respects our free will, even knowing that some of us are going to choose sin mm-hmm. and some of us are going to choose mortal sin and evil over him, and yet he still gives us that free will. So dignity is kind of the underlying theme today. Now, here's where I want to go with this next. Um, I have found recently, I was talking with my kids last night, and I don't know what your relationships are with your siblings, for those of you that have siblings. My brothers and I, I love my brothers dearly. I don't often get along with them. You know, it's it's very good that we're we're spaced geographically apart because then when we get together, we enjoy each other's company for a time, and then we all kind of go back to our corners, and it works out very well. <laughs> and uh, one of my kids came into the room last night and said, "I am so upset because the other kid said that she's in charge, and I don't get to make any decisions. And if I don't like this, I'm a cotton-headed ninny mug." It's not the exact words, but I'm not going to use the exact words on radio here this morning. And I said. So forget about it. Well, I can't forget about it. She's my sister. And I said, your uncles and I disagree and, and all of this all of the time. Brush it off. Forget it. You don't get along with your brothers? No. No, I don't. But here's where I caught myself, Gabe, You know, to, in, in bringing this around to dignity. One of the reasons I don't get along with my brothers or that we have disagreement is over our religious views. It's over our political views it's over our philosophies of what's best for our families in life and without getting into any of that sometimes my my older brother can be a little forceful and just saying this is how it is and if you don't believe this well you're wrong right Mm -hmm. and i get so mad that my response to that is oh he is such a cotton-headed ninny mug i'm just going to use that as my filler (laughs) phrase today um you know lest lest i say something we shouldn't say on the radio (laughs) and I, I was doing my examination of conscience, and I thought, oh, no, Adam, you just you just stooped to the devil's level. And how it's one thing to disagree with someone, you know, he says, well, I should raise my family like this, and you should too. And I say, no, I don't believe that is what God's calling for our family is, and I want to do what God's calling is. It's another thing to question what someone's saying and the, and the value of their judgment um, or the decision-making they have or, or how they go about their life. You know, to say, I, I don't know that that is God's will. But it's a completely other thing to say. And because of that, I now get to rip you apart and gossip about you and attack your character. And and maybe I, what do we pray in the litany of humility from the fear of being calumniated? Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm calumniating someone. I don't know if that's the proper <laughs> verb tense right there. Right. Um, We're trying. And, you know, how easily we fall into that, but how much we have to be on guard against that because if we're not what what are we really doing to respect the dignity of those around us boy well 
I'm glad you brought me on to discuss this. This is really quite an honor. So, um, this is a tough question and it's, and it's exacerbated by the advent of social media. You know, the past 10, 15 years, we have, I, I think, seen a, just this explosion of an attack on people's dignity, right? We call people names, we get online and like, you know, I might comment on your post, but then somebody else chimes in who I don't know. And now I feel like I can just call them a name. Yeah. You know, I can attack them because you know what? Hey, they're Adam's friend. They're not my friend. I don't care what happens to them. So it's so easy to fall into that trap. And we have to be very much on our guard, like you said, the examination of conscience to understand that when we slip into those pitfalls, you know, of attacking someone's dignity or their worth. So I think what I try to do is just back up, right? Somebody posts something, somebody says something, and I'm going to try to say, you know, well, I have a problem with that argument or that line of thinking for these reasons, you know? And, you know, there's different schools of thought. I'm not going to sit here and tell you if this is right or wrong, whatever, but like some people will say, you know, Adam, maybe you say something and I say, you're wrong. And it's more pointed in attacking you. You know, you, you are wrong on this. Some people might say that's a little too pointed. That's a little too attacking, right? Right. Rather than saying, well, the argument you're making is wrong. The difference, see the difference there? You're wrong versus the argument you're making is wrong. There's different schools of thought on whether or not that's attacking the dignity, right? Of somebody's, either way, let's just try to take a step back when you're making these, having these discussions and saying, you're saying this, X, Y, and Z. I think X, Y, and Z is wrong, or I disagree with X, Y, and Z, and it's for these reasons. And as long as we can do that and attack the substance, or maybe not even attack, that's a strong word, but, but discuss and, and disagree maybe on those specific things and not get into undermining your worth as a human person, that's going to go a long yeah. way. So, all, and I, I think the, the, the point is always through the lens of charity, right? Right. And, I mean, I, I don't think it's uncharitable to say to someone, you're wrong. Right. You know, especially if it's a matter, a grave matter. If, mm-hmm. if they're saying, hey, it doesn't matter if you do X, Y, or Z, which, you know, our Lord and the church clearly say are moral evils. You know, right. think, think of the sins that cry out to God for, uh, for justice. And... You know, and someone's saying, "Well, those those aren't really sins. Don't worry about that." I, I think in charity to say you are wrong is a is an act of love because yes. you don't want to let them persist in that error. Yes. But I think the point you're you're making here is say someone you know whether it's on social media or not. I'm I'm going to use this example, and we got to wrap this up here. If my wife said, "I have a plan for vacation, and we want to make sure that we get to not only Sunday mass, but we we have a goal to go." make it kind of a retreat that we're going to go to daily mass and we're going to have some times for prayer. And I don't like her plan. And my response is to say, you're a moron, right? Mm -hmm. People would be like, whoa, Adam, you can't say that to your wife. (laughs) You know, that was completely uncharitable. And yet on social media, as you said, in the comment section, how often do we do the equivalent of that? My self guilty is charged. And so I'm inspired by Pope Benedict XVI, and and this was one of his writings as Cardinal Ratzinger before he was elected pope. And and this was kind of his writing style. He would put out his argument, you know, his reasoning for something, and he would sometimes say, now my opponent would argue that I am incorrect because of X, Y, and Z, and here is where I see the error in their argument. But he never said, and that person is dumb. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so I I say that because, you know, 
as Catholics, we're so focused sometimes, and rightly so, on the dignity of the human person, especially the dignity of the unborn. But then we kind of forget later in life that they have that dignity. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, maybe the, uh, the solution is not to jump into the comment section um, and just start feverishly typing, but to take a step back and say, do I need to engage in this? And if I do, how do I do this in a charitable way where we discuss ideas, rights and wrongs, um, but not delve into personal attacks. It's just it's something that's been weighing on my heart, and that's mm-hmm. a question I have today. We do need to take a break here because we've got to get connected with Doug Barry. We're talking about the Ten Commandments this week, and uh, we certainly want to get to that one. It's going to tie in and I think be a nice capstone to everything we're talking about today. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. Stay tuned. We are back, and we are talking with Doug Barry about the Ten Commandments. And as we wrap up this week, we come to the Fifth Commandment, one that I think we've all said at some point. Fifth Commandment? Well, I've, I've never violated this one. I mean, it's thou shalt not kill. I, I've never gone into the confessional and said, uh, bless me, Father, for I have sinned. I, I committed murder today. I think that's by and large true for almost all of us listening today. I don't want to say universally 100% because I don't know. But, Doug, I have a feeling that on the inverse of that, we have all violated this commandment in one way or another. Yeah, pretty much. It's a guarantee I would think that most all of us have to some degree, except maybe a St. Therese, you know, who I guess her spiritual terror says she never committed a mortal sin. So she might be safe for that one, but very rare. In fact, Don Bosco, St. Don Bosco had a great dream. He had many great dreams, and one of them was he saw the different levels. He saw hell, purgatory, and heaven. And actually in heaven, he saw different levels too. And one of the levels that he saw in heaven, he could not get to. A very few amount of people were there and everything was just illustrious and beautiful. I won't go into detail for sake of time, but it was a beautiful description of this level. And and he asked the, the guide who's instructing him and helping him understand these things, what is that level of heaven? He said, that's the place where no one had ever committed a mortal sin. And so their glory is just amazingly indescribable. But most of us, when it comes to the fifth commandment, yeah, we've crossed this line. Thou shalt not kill. Let's first understand that I think it's in the Greek. If you go back, the idea of killing in and of itself isn't always sinful. Murder is. Murder, thou shalt not murder is technically the understanding of what that commandment is taking an innocent life. Now, if you're in a self-defense situation, and I give a lot of talks on self-defense, church security, and so forth around the country, and I can tell you that people misunderstand this. If it's a self-defense situation and you apply force that becomes lethal because it's necessary, not because you're trying to kill the person, but because it has to be applied to stop the threat, then it is morally justified. That is in the Catechism of the Catholic Church. There are three paragraphs that address that. Maybe we can talk about that sometime in the future. But when it comes to taking an innocent life, that, of course, is when it is a grave violation. Now, that being said, most of us, as you mentioned, have never done that sort of thing. But you can kill in other ways. And one of the key ways is scandal. And that's the big one that I think a lot of us could probably all fall into. Your language, the way you dress, the way you behave, your choices, your behavior, gossip, these types of things, very scandalous, can easily kill someone's reputation, kill someone's innocence. You think about the innocence that has been destroyed, utterly devastated in this world, sometimes because of our language. Sometimes your kids are hearing you talk a certain way. And as we've mentioned in the other commandments, you've taken the Lord's name in vain in some way, or you've gossiped about this person or that. These are things that kill. So the sin of scandal is under the fifth commandment. And a lot of people don't really look at it that way. We just think it's, as you mentioned, taking someone's physical life, 
No, no, no. You can destroy someone's spiritual life. You can wreck someone's faith very seriously. And that is a very, very grave offense. So killing is not, again, just that, just this, the taking of a human life. It's inappropriate way. It is even harming or hurting someone's soul. So that's something to think about. And again, there's much more to each of these. As we mentioned before, there are over 100 pages written in the catechism on these. I encourage everybody start reading through them a little bit at a time, start processing them. When it comes to the fifth commandment, protect the life and the right and the dignity of people's souls, their innocence, their reputation, the dignity of the individual, and don't kill that. That's also grave, grave matter. How serious are we about this, Doug? Well, let's go to what our Lord said in the gospel. It would be better to have a millstone tied around your neck and be flung into the water, into the sea, than to lead one of the little ones astray. So we need to have that mindset of, I'd rather have a millstone than violate this fifth commandment. Doug Berry, thanks so much for being with us today. Appreciate it, Adam. Thank you. Ave Regina Celorum. Hail, O Queen of Heaven enthroned. Hail, by angels mistress owned. Root of Jesse, gate of morn, whence the world's true light was born. Glorious virgin, joy to thee, loveliest whom in heaven they see. Fairest thou where all are fair, plead with Christ our sins to spare. All week long we have been hearing favorite homily quotes here on the Daily Dose of Encouragement. And with one final quote for us on this Friday, we turn now to Patty Schneier. Well, actually, you're going to get two quotes today because I'm going to finish with my current pastor, Father Mike Murphy, whom I love and adore, and he's wonderful, and I can quote him all day long. And I've got two favorite quotes of his. The first one is when he said, this life is the roadside motel on the way to the dream vacation. And I know I've probably already said that on the Daily Dose of Encouragement, but I think about that all the time. When life gets you down, when you're thinking, oh man, just remember, this life is only the roadside motel on the way to the dream vacation. Heaven is the goal. And I love that image. The other quote that I want to share with you from Father Mike Murphy has really changed my life when he told this little story. Most of us here in St. Louis know where this is. He says, when you come across the bridge from Illinois into St. Louis, there's a point when you are, you know, you just all of a sudden you're across the bridge and you're in St. Louis that you either have to be in one lane or the other, and you're either going to be on Highway 44 or you're going to be on Highway 55 headed south. And it's very important to know what lane you got to be in because it makes all the difference in the world, right? One, Highway 44 is going to take you to Wichita Falls, Texas, and on eventually to Los Angeles. The other one, 55 South, will take you to Memphis and down to New Orleans, So that little lane shift is crucial when you project it out as to where you want to go. And that's what he was talking about in the spiritual life. What difference can one little lane shift make in your spiritual life? One little change. Maybe it's to repent of one habitual sin, to give it up. Or maybe it's to decide to no longer say the Lord's name in vain. Or maybe it's to make a new habit of a daily prayer by just deciding, I'm going to say the morning offering to every day. Or make a routine of adoration or adding a weekday mass into your schedule, whatever it is. One little bitty change. It's like shifting lanes, but it can make the difference of being on Highway 44 or Highway 55. And when you project that out day after day, year after year, of where it takes you in your life, it's huge. So I thank Father Mike Murphy for giving me that visual of being in the right lane, how important it is to be in the right lane, and knowing your destination of where you want to go. And if you want to be 
headed towards heaven. You got to be in the right lane. And I love that image. So thank you to all these priests who have given me these little nuggets and these homilies. I've loved sharing them with all of you. I hope they're helpful in your life too. These are certainly some quotes that I will remember for a long time. Patty, this has been another wonderful week, and I want to thank you for sharing these encouragements with us. Well, I want to thank all the priests. I really do. Um, Priests, every Sunday you get up there and preach. You have no idea whether your words are falling on rocky ground or good soil, but sometimes they really do bear great fruit. We are quickly running out of 60 minutes here. It's It's gone by very fast here, uh, Gabe Jones, but I, I'm going to say one thing here, and that's, that's this. I've had one motto, which I've always lived by. Dignity. Always dignity. Thank you, Don Lockwood, for those great <laughs> remarks on dignity. But really, that is, that is the moral of the story today, is respecting the dignity of the other person. And, you know, especially when we're tempted to, i got to win that argument. i got to prove that I'm right, and I'll use any means necessary. I will take them down if I have to. Mm-hmm. It's like, do you want to win the argument in this life that may or may not even matter, or do you want to go to heaven? Right. You know? Because, and, you know, are, and do you want them to get to heaven too? Do you want them to get to heaven? And, do, you know, are you in a place where you can help them do that? Because, you know what? If I don't know you, it's going to be hard sometimes for, for that to yeah. happen. Well, Gabe, I know you, uh, you love Ignatian uh, spirituality, and uh, so you might be interested in this, but um, the Jesuits of the Midwest province, and most, more specifically the St. Louis region, are celebrating St. Ignatius's feast day this Sunday with a very special mass at the Shrine of St. Joseph on Sunday, July 31st, this coming Sunday at 11 a.m. Uh, I know the organist. I know some of the people that are going to be singing. It's going to be, uh, I, at least the music I know will be very beautiful, and the shrine is beautiful. And uh, the, It's an old Jesuit parish. They told me who's preaching the homily, and I thought, oh, uh, the, you know, if I didn't have plans with family that require us to go to eight o'clock mass in the morning, I'd you know I'd probably give very strong thought to going to that. Um, also, the, another thing I'm bummed because I have I have plans with family. Uh, St. Francis of Assisi in Luberine, Missouri. I hope I said that correctly. Is having their uh, annual picnic Sunday from 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. There's a fried chicken dinner from noon to four, and they're going to have music, flea market, uh, beer garden, uh, games. Uh, games for the kids, games for adults, quilt raffle. There's air-conditioned seating inside, although this weekend it looks like um, you, you may not need it. Um, so for more information on that, uh, just look up St. Francis of Assisi in Luberine, Missouri. That's L-U-E-B-B-E-R-I-N-G for those of you playing Scrabble today. Although you couldn't use it because it's a proper it's a proper noun. Mm. You can't use proper nouns in Scrabble. But you can go get some fried chicken on Sunday. You're being a crossword. If there's one thing I've learned being a city boy is when these parishes out in the in the country have these picnics with fried chicken or uh, sausage or whatever, it's, it's going to be some of the best food you've ever had. It's worth going. In your life. Yep. You know, I, I unfortunately, I haven't been to St. Francis yet, and I would love to go to go try this out because, I mean, I'm sure it's going to be good. So that's what's uh, happening around the area this weekend. Next week on the show, we are going to be talking about some really fun things. You're just going to have to tune in. I, I give you these previews. But I think I just want to make you hang out and, and see what's going on next week. you got to come back. Well, I'll, I'll tell you this. Doug Barry and I are, are going to cover Commandments 6 through 10. How about we leave you with that? Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, 
and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Amen. Our Lady Queen of Peace. Pray for us. St. Joseph, Terror of Demons. Pray for us. Remember, in everything you go out there and do today, you know, you don't have to accept untruths as true, but as we stand for what's right and stand for our faith, let us always remember the dignity of the other person and always be guided by charity. And yes, sometimes charity means saying difficult things and having difficult conversations. It doesn't mean blind acceptance, but always, always with charity. I want to thank you for tuning in today. Be sure to check out the podcast uh, and share this with friends. Hit like and subscribe. Until next week for Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright. I'm Gabe Jones. Pray your rosary today.